and welcome to the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. I am your host, Luna Gaia, and here we talk all things body image, self-esteem, self-love, mindfulness, how to deal with that mental chatter inside of our heads that seem to sometimes be our own worst enemy. Oftentimes, it's just me. And then more recently, we've been having the pleasure of having incredible guests who have come here to share their love, their wisdom, and their stories. And on today's show, we have the one and only Ashley Ray. She is the founder and CEO of Marla Collective. Since 2011, they've been making products to inspire meditation, such as Marla beads, meditation cushions, and crystals, working with artisans across Asia. Featured in Forbes, LA Times, Goop, and more, Ray is also a meditation teacher and business coach, helping women start and scale their businesses and step into their purpose. Goodness me, I am so excited here because there is so much more to to meditation than just staring at a wall. And, And I think that there is this Misconception, and actually, I'm so I'm so excited to have you here because there is this understanding or misconception that meditation is really hard. And I have a lot of people say to me, "I can't meditate." And very often, what I what I give to them in response is, they, they go, "My mind wanders," and I'm like, "That is meditation. Like it's the practice of coming back every time." So I'm I'm excited about this because. I don't, I don't talk heavily into my own meditation practice and, and what I do on a regular basis because I, I help people deal with other stuff that's going on in their head and very often they don't, they don't um, you know, lean towards that. But I am a huge, you know, I've done my meditation this morning. I will do it this evening before I go to bed. It is something that keeps me so grounded and so connected into myself. So I'm really excited to have you here on the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. That is beautiful. And that introduction, whoa, that made me feel really cool. I should, I should have you introduce me in a new room. Like sometimes <laughs> just hearing someone speak what you've done, like we don't often reflect on our past and what we've accomplished. So thank you for pumping me up at the beginning of that. And I do love your reference to coming back when your mind wanders. I always talk about meditation. You're right. They always, people always say, I don't know how to do it. I'm doing it wrong. And your reference of just coming back, I always comment as if you reframe meditation as a practice of either self-judgment or compassion, because let's say you're meditating for 10 minutes, your mind's going to wander maybe 200 times. (laughs) And when you get to that point, when you realize your mind's wandered, you can judge yourself and say, I'm the worst I shouldn't have done this. I'm doing it wrong. My legs are asleep. There's a dog outside. I'm hungry. Judgment, judgment, judgment. Or you can say, okay, my love, just come back. Oh, my mind wanted. Okay, come back. So it's 200 times to practice self-love, self-compassion, being kind to ourselves, or 200 opportunities to practice self-judgment. So reframing meditation as this practice of self-compassion and self-love and self-talk in a positive way, I feel like it is a far more accessible and um, beautiful introduction into what meditation can be. Yeah, and I love that because because that that is it, it, you're one hundred percent right. Everything, including you know, including a meditation practice, a formal meditation practice, is an opportunity to to make a different choice. Are we making a choice to put ourselves down, or are we making a choice to to be loved? Are we making a choice to come back to that that kindness and the compassion within ourselves? And, and I, I, I feel for me, Ashley, that everything's a meditation. When it comes to self-love for me, practice, it's, 
but you're right that when I when I might be going for a walk or I'm frantic in my day or whatever, that coming back to now is the single biggest thing that that keeps me really focused on what's important. How did how did you get here? 2011 is the Marla collection. Obviously, so 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 you create beautiful things, Marla beads, cushions, all sorts of you. There's you have an amazing array, crystal kits, meditation cushions, as I said. All, all different kinds of stuff. So tell me, how did you get to this point? What, what's been part of your story, your journey to, to create this and your connection with meditation? Well, it's not the most straightforward entrepreneurial journney. I used to actually be a journalist. Is there such thing? (laughs) There's definitely not. Straight line ever. No, No, never. But I think that sometimes when we get into comparison, we just assume that that person always knew or they must have always been doing that. So I used to be a journalist. I used to cover murder trials, which is probably the most opposite version of life that I could have had. Yeah. And the business started very serendipitously. My partner and I, at the time, we were having a little core life crisis. We had reached all these goals and thought, oh, there must be so much more. And we ended up in Bali. I think a lot of people on their soul searching journey go somewhere overseas and try to find themselves. And we fell in love with these mala beads. So if you don't know what mala beads are, it's a string of beads that you can use to turn through your fingers in a meditation practice. So we fell in love with these beads. We fell in love with the idea that these crystals have different intentions and qualities behind them. And we were flying from Bali to Thailand. And a lady came up to us on the plane and said, oh, your aura is so beautiful. Can I sit and talk to you? Long story short, she ends up being the woman that made the beads that we had bought oh, in Bali. Stop it. Stop so it. Very sandalous, very beautiful. Um, I think that, you know, when I tell that story, it does feel like a movie. It doesn't feel real. But I always tell people we have so many opportunities for serendipity and synchronicities through our day if we're just open to it and if we trust it. I think too often we meet someone and we go, that's too good to be true. I could never, oh, if only. And we create all these blocks and barriers. And admittedly, you know, I didn't have kids, I didn't have a mortgage, you know, I had all these things that provided more freedom of time in my life. But I also just trusted, hey, I bet I was supposed to sit beside that person. Hey, if it all goes sideways, I'll figure it out. Correct. And and um, I know there's way more to this story. I'm excited to hear it. It, it is those moments, you know, you could easily go, oh, this person's a bit of a weirdo. You know, that, that dismissal, <laughs> yes. like, yeah. oh, well, they, you know, who, who says you've got a cool aura? Who says that? Oh, they must be weird or I don't talk to strangers or, you know, that kind of, it, it's those blocks as well, right? Even just in the micro moments of yes. you decided to engage with her despite the fact that, that many people would kind of be like, eh, weird. Yeah. And I think that whole being open interlaces with trusting, interlaces with letting go, interlace like that letting go of judgment, letting go of fear. Like in that moment, you know, I could never have predicted this with my life 10 years later. Uh-huh. I just thought, oh, that'd be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool. And, you know, if anybody listening is entrepreneurial, oftentimes when we go on this totally sideways journey, 
um, people around us were like, oh, be careful. Oh, don't do it because they love us. They don't want us to fail. Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, always talks about this, about how she didn't tell anybody her idea in the beginning, not because she thought people didn't want to support her, but out of love, they try to shelter us and protect yes. us. So, you know, 10 years ago, everyone's like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? This, you might have hit me on a plane. And now meditation's really cool. And they're like, how'd you know? <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it's not that they were judging, they were just trying to love and protect me. But, you know, that whole journey, you know, I'm, I'm making it sound like it was just all, you know, daisies and roses all day. But I went from being a journalist to being a CEO to the company growing. And I was so riddled with self-doubt and thinking, who am I to run this company? I am not good enough because I'm a journalist. I'm not an entrepreneur. I didn't know any entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurship is very cool now. Yeah. I didn't know anybody who owned a business. And I was in my 20s. I would get emails from people saying, this mala has helped me through a sex change, through a divorce, through an abusive marriage, through whatever they were going through. And I thought, how dare I be the one to answer this email? Yeah. Who am I to answer this email? And yeah. so when I say, you know, self-doubt was overwhelming, I am not exaggerating. I was on the couch crying every single night thinking I should just give this company to somebody else. Somebody else should do it. They'll do it so much better than me. Mm. And I had this meditation one day and this voice said, Ashley, get over yourself. <laughs> you being afraid is actually robbing so many people of a beautiful experience yeah. and not in a way of ego thinking I am the be all end all of their journey. If people are seeking, they're going to find what they're looking for somewhere, but how beautiful would it be if I could be on that journey with them? And so this whole being fearful is selfish because it's what you know yeah. was a really huge hit for me. And I'm not saying I stopped being you know, I stopped thinking I wasn't enough the next day. I actually, you know, the whole journey of this business has been a self-reflection of my own journey of, I didn't think I was enough. So we, did, we designed a collection called I Am Enough. And that has been our best-selling collection since we started. And I yeah. think that what I find really cool about that is, well, it's cool and it's sad and it's beautiful and it's human and it's connecting and it's real is that so many of us think we are not enough on some level. We yes. are not patient enough. We're not beautiful enough. We're not supportive enough. We're not intuitive enough. We're not strong enough. We're, whatever, whatever it is, whatever your word is, we all have the same human experience that we are not something enough. Oh, yes. So that this whole journey has been, you know, it, it always is. I'm 10 years in and I have all these tools and now I'm a teacher and now I coach. I'm not perfect. I am still on the journey of seeking and I still have those I'm not enough thoughts. But now I can close that loop a bit quicker. So I have, oh yeah, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this to just try and tighten that voice up quicker. Yeah, which is which is what I was talking about earlier in, in regards to everything's a meditation. Because in, in, in the very formal practice of sitting there meditating, my mind wanders, it goes off over here and I bring it back. And it goes off and I bring it back. And, you know, as you say, 200 times in 10 minutes, I feel like it's sometimes 200 times in one minute, um, <laughs> that I'm constantly bringing it back. And that's on a very micro level. But on a macro level, what I heard you just say and what it, it mirrors my experience is that the old, the old patterns, my mind, you know, running away with fear, my mind running away with self-doubt, my mind running away with not enoughness, that the practice of coming back to me every time that's not that's not me sitting on a meditation cushion that's that's every moment of every day you know obviously I'm I'm more practiced at it and the loop is shorter like you've said now but it's still me bringing back 
you know, whenever I feel like whenever we go into something new, whenever we're walking into a new thing, as you, you and I have discussed earlier, I'm now a I'm now an international best-selling author with my book, right? And and there's been times, and it's only just happened over over this weekend, this past weekend, moments of like, oh, re- like really, like is that really a thing? You know, it's so easy to then go, oh well, I really should have gone in a few more countries, or I should have gotten more sales, or still it wasn't enough. And I noticed that my mind was moving towards that's not enough, and yeah. and the practice and the tools remind me of going come back here honey come back here like my mind wants to go off into fear it, it, do you relate to that in terms of everything being a meditation practice of coming back centered coming back to love oh i love that i think that's so that's so true and actually before i forget the word should and the word need i have worked really hard to eliminate those from my vocabulary because those are 100 difficult and dangerous words. I think that living it. Oh, absolutely. And aren't we our own worst self-critic? I feel like if we just talk to our best friend, <laughs> when we talk to ourselves, like we would have such a healthy relationship with ourselves. So 100%. I always find that really curious. Um, but yes, I do agree. I think that the practice is when I first started, I thought I can't sit there for 30 minutes and like, like I love incense now, but I just pictured like sitting on a cushion with a straight back and not moving and not itching. And now I've started to realize, oh, your practice can look so different. You know, in the spring, summer, I love a moving meditation. So I like to go for a walk in the winter. Maybe I'll lay down with a weighted blanket and do a sound bath, like a sample meditation. But I do find that as I expand and explore and tease out all those different versions of what mindfulness meditation is, it seeps into my day-to-day not just when I'm sitting on a cushion, That's right. not yeah. just when I'm listening to a meditation. So, you know, for example, in the past two weeks, I've had all these crazy things implode with work. And there's moments where I'm like, why is this happening to me? And I'm like, wait, this is clearing space for something better. Cool. And before I would be front loading, this is happening to me. This is awful. I'm going to have a bottle of wine and close the blinds and eat Thai food and watch Netflix, which I mean, I still do because that sometimes is just what I need, but I would have leaned heavier into that and been a victim. Whereas now I'm like, okay, I actually feel oddly and weirdly calm because there's this insane trust and this divine trust that okay, this is bigger than I can even imagine. This is all bigger than me. I can't control this. I trust that in the future, this is clearing out space for something better. And you know, hindsight is 2020. We always know in the future why it happened. So the more I meditate, the more I practice, the more I trust when those things go Mm. wrong in the moment, the more that I maybe surrender a little bit more. And I mean, it's not always easy. Like, you know, I went through heartbreak a couple months ago and I cried everywhere. And in that moment, there was still... I need to just cry and be really broken. And I trust this is happening for a reason. So they can still live together, but that trust is the foundation now. Whereas before the fear was the foundation. So I think that the more I practice and not just sitting on a cushion, whatever practice means, walking, swimming, running, laying, sit, like whatever, whatever it is for you, you build this relationship with yourself. And I really like to look at it as, past present and future versions of self that you're developing this relationship with future you and you're loving past you because every version of you exists within you now yeah I did this meditation in Singapore years ago where I got to see little Ashley when she was 
you know, when my parents were going through a divorce, it was a hard time. We were little, we don't know what's going on. I said, oh, Ashley, you're so beautiful. You're so strong. I love you. I've got you. And this voice said, why don't you speak to yourself that way right now? Yeah. And I realized I have so much more compassion for younger me and so much more love and admiration for future me that I just trust now, hey, future me's got my back. Yep. Past me is pushing me forward. And there's this beautiful path where I'm being led by past, present, and future versions of myself. And there's a trust and a surrender in that. And again, there's moments where I go into fear, but I more often now go, okay. I was like, why are you so calm? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm maybe, maybe a little bit numb, but I'm okay because I just trust. I just trust. I just trust. And I mean, also running a business and being a leader. Yeah. I'm expected to just know the answer all the time. I don't know the answer most of the time. <laughs> and I've become okay with that too. Yeah. And, and, tr- and trusting that and being in uncertainty. I was really resonating with what you were talking about, about there around those two things. You talked about heartbreak and talked about heartbreak and trust at the same time. And I think this is a really important piece because a lot of people go, when I'm meditating, when I'm calm, when I'm peaceful, it's reliant on, or, you know, a, a peaceful state of being. People make the assumption that it's reliant on what's happening external, that if everything is going right, and by right I mean the things that I want to have happen, this is, this is typically the thinking that if everything goes right outside, then I will be good on the inside. But the reality is, the truth of it, which you have discovered, Ashley, as well as myself, is that the only place that we can feel calm and peaceful and happy is internal irrelevant of what's happening on the outside, you know, and it doesn't mean that we're ignoring our feelings. In fact, it's even, it, it's deepening that. It's acknowledging the fact I'm heartbroken. This, this sucks. It hurts. I'm going through a rough time. And at the same time, it's these, it means that you have this core grounding of everything's okay. Everything's going to be okay. And it sucks. Those two things can be married. Without, without, you know, like I think there is that that misconception. I love what you're saying, the that that we can fall into the trap of going into fear. How how do you deal with uncertainty in those moments now in your life where you're like, I don't know the answers. I've got a whole team of people expecting me to know the answers. I don't. How how do you deal with that level of uncertainty and fear? Oh my goodness! I, before I answer that, I'm just going to share. Deepak Chopra has this beautiful. He, he talks about how when we meditate, we wait for the per- perfect moment to meditate. We need to be silent and quiet. And he talks about how Manhattan is the best place to practice meditation because there's horns, just construction. And I'm in New York right now and it is noisy. The moment that I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. Yeah. And the practice is you're not waiting for this like field with, with birds and flowers and baby deer. Sure. You, you need to do it when it's hitting the fan still need you know the practice is in the moment when it's not always perfect so I love that I think that's beautiful Uh, and how have I how have I learned what was the question again how have I learned when I don't know the answer to just keep going well yeah it's uncertainty so very much what happens yeah Yeah. talk about self-doubt as well like self-doubt when we when we break that down doubt is about being uncertain I don't have certainty within myself that's what self-doubt is. So then in those moments where, I mean, let's face it, Ash, the whole world is uncertain and we could go, yeah. oh, yes, these are uncertain times. But the reality is life is always uncertain and yeah. we, we make this assumption. We, we, as humans, 
I think it's part of the illness that we have pathologically across the board with humans, not just individuals, everybody has this assumption that everything's going to remain the same, which is madness because the only thing that's guaranteed is that things are going to change. So yeah. the, the question there for, 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 for that I'd love you to, to, to answer is about how do you deal with that level of uncertainty? Because the more you step into, into the unknown, the more unknown that there is. How, how do you manage that? I mean, I, I am led by curiosity. And when I was a journalist, I always joked, I got paid to be really nosy. And <laughs> I, I thrive off of things changing. I've actually really reflected on, do I change things too much out of avoidance? Am I running from something? But I get really lit up by traveling to new places, meeting new people. And the curiosity right. of, Ooh, I wonder if we could do this. I wonder if we can do this really excites me and thrills me. And there are moments where it does become too much mm -hmm. or I feel, you know, those not enough moments. I don't have the answer. And I now know the tools to turn to like, you know, obviously meditation is a great one, but you know, watching something funny, going for a walk, calling a friend. There's so many tools that we can turn to. Yeah. There's so many moments. I don't know what I'm doing. And I used to think, because I didn't know any CEOs. I didn't really know how to run a company. So I used to think like fear was the best way to lead or being like really strict or whatever it was. And now I'm just really honest. Hey guys, I actually don't know the answer. Do you want to figure it out with me? Or, <laughs> Hey, this is really hard. And you know, we have team cries. We have, we have moments where we all break down. And then we have moments where, Hey, they're not accountable to me. Ashley, the team believes in Mala Collective as being bigger than me, which I believe as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that shift of this is about this thing that is not me. It is, it is a huge part of my identity, but it is separate to me. Yeah. And the team that I get to work with love this beautiful thing that we've created because it's changing so many lives. So when I share, Hey, I don't know the answer. Like we, we will figure it out together. And there's this, this honesty and vulnerable approach where you know, before I would never tell anybody. I used to think I'm the, I'm the first person to screw this up this badly. I'm so embarrassed. And yeah. when I started surrounding myself with peers that were in the same boat, that were running businesses, you know, I, I truly think we're just looking to humanize our experience. We're looking to connect with somebody else that has the same level of fear, the same doubts, the same, whatever it is, the same heartbreak, the same, you know, whatever we judge ourselves for. As soon as we realize somebody else has had it, we're like, okay, I belong here, or I have somebody I'm connected to. So we're all seeking a form of connection. So as much as I love change and different countries and different environments and traveling, we're really all seeking connection to ourselves and to other people, yes. no matter how chaotic it is. And I think there's, there's something beautiful about just, I actually don't know the answer. Does anybody else here know it? And I think when we approach a situation and we're humble yeah. and we're open and we're open to receiving people really want to step up and help because they see your heart. It's not led by ego. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that answers the question. That was a bit yeah, of a rant, but I hope really that does. that addressed it. <laughs> yeah, no, it really does because what, what I was really hearing there is that it's super arrogant for any of us to think that we do know all the answers. How could we possibly, how could anyone possibly, you know, when I, I look around what's happening in the world right now, obviously you're, you're, you're in the States and I'm in Australia and you probably heard what's happening in Australia. You know, that, that aside in terms of what's, you know, uh, a fear narrative that's happening, there's, you know, there's this thing I'm like, 
when I observe it from an observer state, like I would with myself and without judgment, I'm, I go, wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world where people were willing to admit, admit that they don't know, admit that, that, that maybe we don't have all the answers or that things are changing and that we're in an environment where we don't know? Because if we had leaders who were vulnerable enough to express that and say, hey, I don't know the answer and I've got your back and I'm seeking information and we're, we're, we're working together to figure it out. There's a real humanness that comes from that because when we, when we pedestal people, it, it becomes really dehumanising. I think that's what you were saying. Like it's, there's, a there's a disconnection there that happens. I was chatting to my mum the other day and she was talking about really famous people and she goes, oh, imagine, imagine being the mum of like Taylor Swift. And I'm like, well, she's just, she's just a person. Mum's like, well, no, she's not. I'm like, yes, she is. She's just a person. She, like everybody else, she shits, she sweats, she swears. She is... She's just a person and, yes, humans have idolised these people as, as if she's got it all figured out. Like you said earlier in your piece, when you thought about entrepreneurs, well, they all, they, they must know everything and they must have everything figured out already and, and, you know, there's a real, there's a real, what's the word, temptation, I think. There's a real temptation to assume that everybody else has got their shit together and you're the only one that hasn't. But that's not, it's not true. <laughs> it's so far from true. Everybody is figuring it out as they go along. Yeah, everybody, everybody. And I love that reminder. And I think that that's where that self-doubt comes in. We start comparing ourselves. And, you know, now that I've stepped into coaching, I don't coach from a place of I know better than you. I actually, I'm not, um, I don't give advice when I coach because mm -hmm. I don't want to assume I know better than you. You know your situation better than anybody else knows. Yep. You're just telling me bits and bobs of it. What I do appreciate is sharing an experience. Mm -hmm. Hey, that really resonates what you just shared. Let me share an experience that is similar in how I felt those same feelings. Yeah. And here's what I did. And here's the outcome and here's why. And here's some tools and practices that I'm going to share with you. So I truly believe that we already know the answers within ourselves, yep. that coaching or any form of this is having somebody mirror with a lot of love and lovingly tease things out and pull things out and reflect them back to you with love and with safety and with comfort. And I think it is it also, it can be really uncomfortable, yes. but it is a beautiful <laughs> process to know, Hey, I'm not better than you. I don't know better than you, but let me just teach you a few things I have learned. Yeah. And actually you're so empowered. And sometimes we just need to be reaffirmed how powerful we truly are. So like when we're meditating on those affirmations, I am love, I am grounded. It's not like we're repeating affirmations so that we become love and we become grounded, even though like it starts to rewire the brain. We truly start to believe it. There's a lot of studies on this. In my, in my way that I visualize this is we are creating space within ourselves to bring forward the love that we already have. Okay. We are bringing forward that grounding we already have because we're so busy. There's mm -hmm. no space for this beautiful part of ourselves to come up. There's no spaciousness. Yes. So meditation is also creating spaciousness. Coaching is creating spaciousness to reflect back to you. Like there's, there's so many self-care practices 
even journaling, you don't need to have a coach. You can just do journaling. You can sit with yourself and write. You can have a bubble bath and record a voice note to yourself. Sometimes just releasing these things releases so much. And then you listen back and you're like, oh, I already know the answer because I just heard myself say it out loud. Like there's so many things that we can do, but we already have all of those qualities. We just need to get over thinking everybody else knows the answer. And again, I said need, but you know, that's the practice. The comparison is a practice. Yes, and, and that someone else has the answer because then we're disempowered again. I think, that's, like I said before, that's around the external, right? That something out there, that there's an out there that has the impact to either change the way that I feel about myself, that there's something for, for that, for the, the quote negative or the positive, that someone else has the answers. If I just find the right person who's got the right answer, if I, if I just invest the right amount of money, if I do the thing, to me, I say, you know, like a really great coach, if you've got any coach, guru, master, any any advisor that's that you're going to who tells you that they have all the answers, run. Because, because to me, a great coach does exactly what you said. What, what we do is to just help move away all the things that aren't you so that you can remember who you are. And I feel like that's what meditation is as well. Meditation is almost self-coaching yeah. in that way. And, and, and coaching for me is, it's that famous, I don't, know if he, I don't know if he actually said it, but it's been reported that Michelangelo said, you know, when asked about how he created David, like how did you, how did you create David, the statue there? And he goes, I just removed, I just saw, I just saw the block of concrete and I just removed everything that wasn't David and he appeared. Oh, I love that. How oh, that's so that? cool. So I, I feel love that. like that, that's, what, uh, that's what coming home to all of this is, whether or not the tool is meditation, whether it's coaching, whether it's walking, exercising, speaking, whatever the tool is, all of it to me, all of it is removing everything that we are not so the true us can be revealed. We don't need to, we don't need to create something we don't need to go and get it external we don't need to make something up we just need to as you kind of say get over ourselves as yeah. as uh, as the universe told you in that moment get over yeah. ourselves and remove yeah. all the stuff that aren't us so that we can be revealed and I mean I still have fallen into the trap thinking as a silver bullet there's one person that's going to help me. And I've, t- I've tried to hire that person so many times. <gasps> this one person's going to save everything. This one person's going to double my business. This one coach is going to bring me enlightenment. This one meditation retreat is going to, no. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, again, I am not, just because I have the tools and the practice doesn't mean I'm perfect at it. I still do those things. I still try to find that silver bullet. Yes. It's time. And, you know, in, in that like analogy of coaching, for example, you know, I used to work with people for like two or three sessions and now it's over four to six months because it takes time. It's the integration. And I think those coaching sessions dust everything off and then now it's revealed and now you have to sit with it and integrate and reflect and do the work. So it's no silver bullet of one session and you're healed with anything. No. And again, that analogy of hiring someone, I can't explain how many times I even called somebody a silver bullet one time. That's how hilariously naive I was so it's (laughs) unfortunately it's practice and it's beautiful and it is so funny you know I do coach a lot of entrepreneurs and type a people how quickly am I going to see the results when is it going to kick in when am I going to have my moment of enlightenment and I think that's such a hilarious question because it's it's just the practice 
you just get there. You get there. If you keep coming back, you keep mm-hmm. coming back. And I mean, you are, you know this, but it is one of my most commonly asked questions is when does it kick in? And I think making the practice something that you enjoy, you know, there's going to be resistance either way. So if you're resisting in a bit, that's normal. Yeah. But if you don't like sitting, then walk. If you don't like walking, then lay down. If you, if you find joy in it and you, you eventually go from the place where I should, I have to, to, oh, I can't wait. Yes. Oh, I'm pulled back to it. Oh, I'm, I can't wait to go sit on my cushion. So yes. whatever that is, there's a transition and it's different for every single person, but I do find it. When does it kick in is a really common question, I guess. Yes. Yeah, it, it definitely. And, and I would experience that too. Like, cool. When am I going to get to that? Point? When do I arrive? I think that yeah. that's, you know, it's when do I get there? And, and like you actually, it's like 10 years ago, 10, the 10 years ago version of you, of me, of people watching and listening at home would look at ourselves and go, holy shit, like what? You did that? Yeah. The 10 the ten year ago version thinks that we are phenomenal. And, yeah. and yet there is, a, there is a, again, a temptation for us to, to think that it's not enough in that time. Okay, cool. Well, now I need to double the business. 10 years ago, you didn't even think about having a business. Like, yeah let alone now doubling it because life is expansion. It's progression. It's evolution. And that's why you don't, I tell this to my clients all the time, you don't ever arrive. You might Mm -hmm. look back and go, wow, look how far I've come. But there's always going to, you know, like Miley Cyrus, there's always going to be another mountain. I'm always going to want to make it move. Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's not about how fast you get there. It's not about what's waiting on the other side. It's the climb. That's that's her song. And you know, and that that's what it is. We we feel like there's a pinnacle that we reach. But the reality is, in so many things in my life, and I'm sure that you can attest to this as well with your success, have you ever felt like, cool, I'm done now? <laughs> you know, this is making me think of so right before COVID, I'm gonna do a name drop. Are you ready? Right before COVID, the last event I went to was a private event with Gwyneth Paltrow at the group headquarters. Yeah, I love it, great, and amazing. It was very cool. And the speaker came out and said, I bet not one person in this room could sit here and write out 10 things they want in their life. And I sat there and wrote out like 38 things because I'm like, I've done this exercise so many times. And I think that so many of us are chasing something, but we know what we don't want, but we don't know what we do want. Yeah. And that knowing what we don't want, that's part of it. We definitely need to know that. But we don't have clarity on what we're working towards. Mm. We just know we don't have it yet. Yeah. And that goalpost keeps moving and moving and moving. So I'm a, I'm a really big fan of reflecting on what we're chasing and why and the feeling that we're chasing. Mm. I'm from Vancouver. I'm from Canada. There's a beautiful author there named Danielle Laporte. And she talks about this in her book, The Desire Map, that we are creating a feeling. It's not actually the thing that we're looking oh, for. So let's say it's like a holiday to Hawaii. Well, maybe, yeah, Hawaii is great, but maybe it's the feeling of adventure. Yeah. I want a new couch. Maybe it's the feeling of home. You know, what is the feeling that you're looking for? And I find that so curious that when I'm coaching, it's the, what are you looking for and why? And what is your version of success? Mm. Because oftentimes we judge our version of success by everyone else's version yes. of success. Yep. So like five years ago, we, we launched with Lululemon across North America. We were their first co-branded product. Very cool. We were, we were like a cool company in Vancouver. Thank yeah. you. It was very cool. And we had days where puppy dogs could come in and green juice and organic food delivery, like everybody else's version. Of, wow, what a cool company. And I hated it. I walked <laughs> in one day. I'm like, I should want this. 
Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. This isn't why I start my business. Mm. And I remember reflecting on this and thinking, I worked so hard to get to this thing and I resent it because it's trapped me here. Yeah. I just want to be traveling with my laptop. This is before like remote work was a thing. I mean, yeah. by no means did I invent it, but now it's of course very common. Yeah. So I remember thinking, you know what? That's it. I'm going to go remote. I told my team, I said, we're going remote. And my girlfriend came into my office and said, I love your office. I'm like, great. Do you want it? She said, yeah, I do. And she took over the lease. And within 30 days, we were a remote company. Wow. I, I feel that that is because I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted how I wanted to feel. And I knew really? my why. And I remember I was on a date with this guy and he said, oh, that's so embarrassing. You're getting rid of your office. That must mean you're closing. Is your business going under? Oh, Ashley, you shouldn't tell people that. And I just thought, fuck you. I actually am so clear yeah. on what I want and yeah. why I want it. And I'm going to go for it. So that whole thing of people maybe telling us like, oh, that's kind of weird. Why would you do that? That doesn't look good. My version of success did not align with many other people's yeah. version of success, but I pursued it because I wanted it so bad. And now, you know, five years later, COVID hits. And I mean, this with a lot of love. I was so happy to be able to talk to other business owners. Hey, here's how we went remote. Here's how we maintained culture. Here's how we did this, this, and this. Yeah. But the fact that it took me getting what I thought I wanted to realize I didn't want it. Uh-huh. I think that that journey of figuring out what is your success and why yeah. uh, is such a beautiful process. And actually, I think people, I hear a lot of people saying, I hate goal setting. I hate, I hate setting this, this, and this, like uh-huh. just figure out a few things of where you're going and why you're going there. You know, it feels pretty good to work towards something. And instead of always being in lack or always, you know, always not being there yet. Yes. Yeah. And I, I there's so much in, there's so much in that piece that you've just given. I don't know where to start. The, the feeling, <laughs> it's just so good that it's, it's that feeling. I think that what, what, what people really don't understand is that you're actually not going towards a goal. You're, you're seeking a feeling. And the reality is you can actually create that feeling now. You don't need to get the thing. And and what you've shared there about getting to that success measure, I I was watching a a documentary a couple of days ago and it actually was shitting me. I was going to say character, he's a person, but it, (laughs) it was this comedian going on a journey and he complained the whole time. He complained that people, you know, he's like, I am talented. I am, I am committed. I'm dedicated. I should be here. I should be there. They, they should be recognizing me shooting all over himself, but he was pissed off and entitled about the fact that the world hadn't, he, he wasn't as successful as Jerry Seinfeld kind of vibe. And and I just, just was watching him and he gets to the point towards the end of the thing where he gets on, it must be an old show because he was on Letterman and, and he, he eventually got on Letterman and he turns to the camera and he goes, I've worked my ass off to get to this point, this point in my life. I've always wanted this and I've never been more unhappy. And <laughs> yeah. it occurred to me watching that, you know, reminded me again and again and again that it's not, <laughs> it, for him, he complained the whole time. So, of course, he's going to complain when he gets there, wherever there is. If you don't know how to be centred, calm, happy and in your truth now, when you get the thing that you think is going to make you happy, you're not going to feel that way because it's not outside of you. It never is outside of you. When you get to hang out with Gwyneth Paltrow and do the goop and the Lululemon and that all looks and sounds and is incredible. But if you don't know how to center yourself, it doesn't matter. 
It's an, it's an irrelevant piece of information. And if it's not what you want, if it's not the lifestyle that you want to live, it's, it's what I share all the time. A lot of clients come to me. I, you know, specifically do a lot of work with body image and people potentially want to lose weight because they think they're going to feel a certain way. I get to wear those clothes or I'll have that partner or I'll feel a certain way. But the reality is, and I speak from my own personal experience, having lost and put on, I think an American, oh, you're Canadian. Yay. Uh, 25 kilos five times. I always thought that I would get happiness once I got skinny enough. But I never got mm-hmm. happiness once I got skinny enough because it's not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not where the happiness yeah. was, you know. So yeah. I, this, I, this idea to screw what other people think is successful because for some people being the CEO of, of a, a company at the top of, you know, like a, of, of a multinational business is what they want and they want to work 40 hours a day <laughs> um, and they want to flog their ass off and that's how they want to live. But for many of them, they don't and they're doing it because they want the accolades and they want the feeling that they think they're going to get one more dollar, one more promotion, one more, in my case, kilo. If I just, if I, it always comes from a place of, of lack, right? If I just get the thing over there, one more hill, then I'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful share. Beautiful share. And I, I love that documentary, the comedian. I've watched it many times, actually. Stand up comedy for me is one of my ways of like releasing and letting go. And yeah, I, I love Jerry Seinfeld. I also love the parallel stories of Jerry Seinfeld being this incredibly famous comedian and being so humble and practicing his craft with a desire to like show up for himself and then ego, ego, ego. I think that it's such that story and that documentary is so such a fantastic reminder of when we're driven by all these external circumstances. And I think when we're chasing something, there is something about like, what do I need to feel safe when I'm chasing this? What do I need to be happy while chasing this? And there is a safety component, but I think that the when I get there, holy, I think that's such a dangerous trap. I think that's so dangerous. Yeah, and and why why do you think that is dangerous? What is it about? And, and I think that I'd also love to hear your thoughts about the balance there between yeah, having goals is a is a beautiful thing, right? Also, yeah. I'll be happy when I get there is dangerous. Can you talk into that for a moment? Yeah, I think that there is the I'll be happy when is dangerous when you are not living in the present moment and appreciating where you are. Mm -hmm. I had a partner who made a lot of money at one point and was killing himself for more money, more money, more money, more money. And it was just, just a bit more, just a bit more, just a bit more. And it it was years, years of our relationship of, Hey, didn't you pass that goalpost two years ago? Why are you still doing this to yourself and becoming less and less and less whole as a human being? Cause he was chasing this thing that the goalpost, post kept moving. I think that's dangerous. And I think that one, one practice that I balance like goal setting with and manifesting intention setting is gratitude. And so I work with this coach. He's incredible. He advised five U S presidents. He runs an $11 billion company in the U S beautiful human being photographic memory remembers everything. Remembers my dog's name, my, like everything after years of seeing him. And I asked him, Hey, Warren, I'm, I'm very obsessed with how we reach our potential. I've always been obsessed with human potential. How do we level up, level up, level up? 
what's the number one thing that you've seen CEOs and people do that are high performers? And he said, you know, it's your morning routine. It's 10, 10, and 10. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? And it's 10 minutes of gratitude, 10 minutes of learning something new and 10 minutes of reflection. And I was like, well, that's lame. That's, that's it. (laughs) 10, 10, and 10. That's the thing that's going to do it. (laughs) I'm like, there's got to be another secret in there. (laughs) And so I started doing it. And my commitment was, I'm going to do this every day for a year and see how it goes. And his other feedback was, you know, this is more specific to business owners, but can be evolved to your personal life too, is how many of you have time set aside for strategy in your life? And not one person, I was with like 86 entrepreneurs across Canada in this room, not one person had their hand up. So his feedback was as a CEO, this is his opinion. Our whole job is to have strategy and be building towards the future. So how much time are we putting towards our future self and planning and putting strategy together? So I started shifting that to personal as well, thinking, hey, I'd like to take an hour this week to just reflect on maybe meal planning or exercise or a trip I really want to take or my savings if I can get that trip or this, whatever, whatever it is I want in my personal life, relationship, what are my relationship goals? So the morning routine of doing gratitude, learning something new and reflective journaling has completely changed my life. He was right. It really is as good as he said it was. (laughs) The gratitude portion though, specifically just one page is actually 10 minutes listing everything you're grateful for in this moment. I would be very grumpy and I'll start with, I'm grateful for my coffee cup because it's directly in front of me and I don't want to have to think. And then it'll expand to, I'm grateful for this day. I'm grateful for less. I'm getting the bigger and bigger and bigger than me. It becomes quite meta. And what I notice is the more I do that practice, the more it grounds me in abundance Mm. in possibility and positivity of the present moment, because I'm grateful for this right now. So my very long answer here is being able to ground and gratitude allows me to also reflect on my goal setting that, Hey, I'm so grateful for where I am right now. And this, I am aware this took me a long time. Five years ago, I, I would be astonished by what I've accomplished right now a year ago. And I'm so grateful for these problems. You know, not every day I'm not grateful for my problems, but (laughs) I'm in gratitude right now. And this is my goal for future me because I think I could do it. And more out of curiosity, I wonder if I could do it. I wonder if that's possible and who would that inspire? Because Often as women, we need permission to see other women accomplish something first yes. to believe that we are capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I have like the, the very long answer to that, but I truly believe gratitude is the, the thing outside of meditation practice that has changed my life the most in the past 10 years. And I've only started doing that maybe three years ago. Yes. What I'm hearing you say there is, is that that dance is that you, you are moving towards the future from a place of wholeness now. So mm. in, in the past, I, I've certainly, and I think this is a trap that's really easy to get into, I'll be enough when, you know, the former partner, more money, more money, more money, more money, more money. That's from a place of lack because it is right, what I have right now is not enough and I need to get more. But when we are whole and complete as we are right now, when we think, oh, look, at, like, look around me, Holy smokes, this is good. I have so much to be grateful for. I have so I have so much. When we can be so grateful for what we have right now, it brings us into the present moment, which means that anything that we are creating or moving towards in the future is from a place of wholeness. It's I'm enoughness. I say this about our bodies. If you if you want to go ahead and lose weight, change your body, whatever, whatever it is, great. It's not what you're doing, it's why you're doing it is important. 
And if you come from a place of wholeness, then everything is just play after that. Like I'm already awesome. I'm already phenomenal. I'm already whole and complete. And now I'm just playing with the universe. I'm just going, what else is out there? Could I? Would that be a thing? Oh, so, you know, turns out that I can be an internationally best-selling author. Turns out that, you know, turns out that you can, you know, you can launch amazing products and partner with Goop and some of the biggest companies in the world. Turns out you can do that. Cool. And it's just, it's not that I need and or any of us need, when we come to that place, we don't need the accolades. We're not searching for enoughness outside. We are already enough, peacefully grounded in gratitude and presence while having a good old play with seeing what's out there, seeing, seeing what's possible. I, I really see your adventure, your, 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 your curiosity and your sense of adventure, Ash, to, to me, really tells me coupled with your gratitude and meditation those two things are what I'm really seeing are huge contributing factors to your success I can see that really clearly thank you I, I appreciate that I think really going off what you just said being able to goal set or future vision or do strategy whatever language you want to use after doing gratitude shifted me into such abundance yeah. Versus when we goal set, sometimes we can be like, oh, I haven't accomplished that yet. And it right. turns into a judgment. But yeah. going from gratitude to goal setting, gratitude to whatever, creating a vision board, however you want that to manifest. Um, I love it. I think it's it's no longer firefighting and like yeah. putting out the morning's problems or uh, riddled with my self-doubts and my fears. It's from a place of abundance. And I mean, even my baristas notice people in my building notice everybody notices because I express the gratitude yep. to everybody. Yep. And even better, the best part of all this circling back to the very beginning, I'm so much kinder to myself yes. because my language has changed. Okay. I've wrote, I'm, I've written, I'm grateful. I'm thankful for, I'm aware of, I love you over and over again. So my thoughts start to use that same language mm-hmm. over and over again to myself. So I am more grateful and self-compassionate to myself throughout the day. If I mess something up, I'm like, oh, that's okay. I'm grateful that I learned that. Like that probably wouldn't have been my answer three years ago. So it's really cool to see those internal thoughts shift with that practice shifting. Because it's reprogramming. The reality is, is that our minds are very, are very straightforward. They're complex, but there's a straightforwardness that, that, the the reason we became self-doubtful is because we practice self-doubt. That's just yeah. reality. We were given self-doubt. Isn't it crazy? Like, yeah. we just practice it. People yeah. are like, I never practice self-doubt. You've been practicing it for 15, 20, 35, 40 years. Like, you've been practicing yeah. it all the time. You just weren't aware that you were practicing it because we were very often, you know, our, our, our parents can't teach us how to, to believe in ourselves if they didn't believe in themselves. So my parents didn't they very much came from lack and not enoughness. So of course, you know, like, of of course you just teach what you know. And if you don't consciously break the patterns, if you don't consciously go into your mind and rework it, that's why practice is so important because practice makes progress. It doesn't make perfect. It makes progress. The more that you practice on something and the consistency of that will eventually yield to results and and as you keep doing it it just keeps stacking on top of one another gratitude to me is massive i i heard you t- that story about that date that you were on 
about like, oh, don't tell people. Don't tell people that you've done that. You're going out of business. I hope that you're not dating that person, by the way. No. <laughs> no way. That's that's years ago. <laughs> so I, similarly, I was on a date with someone for, and first date. And I hadn't, I hadn't even noticed, Ashley, that this had even happened until he said something, right? So we're at the cafe. Someone came. They, they, oh, she came a little while later and, she's, and, the wait, and the waitress said to me, oh, do you want the same? Would you like another drink, another Earl Grey? I was like, wow, thank you so much for remembering. That's incredible that you remember my drink. Yes, that would be great. And then he turns to me and goes, that was a little over the top, don't you think? And I said, what was a little over the top? Like I had, I did not have any concept of what he was talking about. He goes, you were like, thank you so much. And I was like, well, I'm really grateful for her. And he goes, yeah, but like, come on, over the top much? And it, was, it wasn't the first time he'd said something to me like that on the date. And I just thought, I'm never going to be less grateful because you're uncomfortable by my gratitude. I was genuinely incredibly grateful for the fact that not only had she cleared my plates and done the thing, why, why, why would I not be? What, because she's a waitress and you think that you're above her? Screw you, dude. I'm like, oh. you know, no, I will continue to be, even if you think it's ridiculously grateful, well, yeah. I don't care because why not be ridiculously grateful for the smallest thing? I had this moment, Ash, the other day. The other day I jumped in the shower and my hot water was coming in and out. It was intermittent and eventually it just died. And I went, oh, okay. And so I had a cold shower because sometimes Wim, you know, Wim Hof, I don't know if you're aware of him, mm. uh, you know, like cold, you would have with goop, goop, they, they did it with like cold showers and stuff. I was like, I'm okay with a cold shower. I had one. But I had this moment I was like, I am so abundant that not only not only do I, all I have to do is walk into this little room in my, in my house, pull this tap and I have fresh water pouring out of the sky <laughs> at my well that's clean and it's not for drinking, but apart from today, it's hot. I can decide the temperature. That's how abundant I am. And I think, I think that that's privileged as well. I really have to recognize that, that there's just this tap that I turn on there of like 40% of the world's population does not have clean drinking water and I'm showering under it. You know, I think yeah. that a bit of perspective there of going, yes, it can feel like we don't have all the money in the world, but the fact that we even have a bank account with money in it makes us in the top 10% of the richest people in the whole entire world. We have the internet, we're on laptops, where you like... We are ridiculously wealthy, even if even if you don't have a lot of money in, in comparison to the rest of the world, we have a crap ton. And I, I think just the, the humility and, the, as you say, like the humbleness of that of going, we're actually really, really lucky. And yeah. Yeah. life is so good. Even, you know, we all have our stuff. And I think that my gratitude practice regrounds me when I'm really shaken. So even those moments when you asked earlier, how do I, you know, that, that perseverance, that resilience when things aren't going right, or I don't know what to do. The gratitude, you know, I'm not saying that I write one page of gratitude and all of a sudden I'm like, I have the answer. <laughs> it's just a practice. And some days it resonates more than others. And I feel like it's the consistency of it that has shifted my approach to problem solving or to whenever, whenever anything arises. So 
Yeah, it's humbling and beautiful. It stacks, right? It, it is that thing. Yeah. It, it's it's almost like compound interest for any of you who know about yeah. about money. If you put savings, compound it, it, the interest compounds. So what was one dollar fifteen years yeah. ago, forty years ago, is can go into huge amounts of money because it compounds. And I feel like gratitude, all of these practices, meditation, mindfulness, it it stacks on top of each other. And before you know it, you will look back and go, "Wow, I'm." wow, like I'm actually really grateful and my my mindset yeah. has changed and it's normally, it, its default now is kindness or its default now is is gratitude or joy. Or even I'm so grateful that thing didn't happen the way I wanted <laughs> it to. Those ones, those ones are the ones I'm leaning into right now because, you know, those moments of rejection or fear or redirection, whenever something falls apart, I'm really trying to practice oh, it's going to come back together even more, even bigger than I could have imagined. How lucky am I? And again, that's not every moment. There, you can still coexist with the pain and the fear and the unknown, but that that trust exists. Um, and I think it's the coolest thing. I feel like like a few months ago, I said to my team, like, hey, I feel like I finally get this meditation thing. Like every year I catch myself saying that. Like, I, I finally get it. I finally get what we're doing because every year, like another layer is peeled off, another another level is hit in the knowing like yep. that knowingness just expands and expands into different ways so yeah and I want to make I want to highlight that for everybody watching and listening at home this is super important it is layers you are going we are going to continue to pull layers off like that David you'll continue to pull off the layers that aren't ourselves and it'll continue to stack on our awareness it is it is an ever unfolding ever it, it is an evolution so Yes, the version of me now that loves me to this point, sometimes I think, oh, my gosh, I, I, well, and I do do this. I've never loved myself this much. I get it. I like 100% self-love. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't love myself anymore. And then in 12 months' time, I look back and I'm like, I love myself even more now. Like I've, I've deepened that. There's always another layer. That doesn't mean that we're constantly striving. It's just that the exploration just keeps getting more exciting and 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 deeper it's a beautiful thing yeah tell me me about the mala collective so tell me about your products tell me about what you have obviously you're 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 moving into the coaching space as well I noticed that you're a meditation teacher can you tell us about about what you do and and who you help and all that jazz oh of course so mala collective we make mala beads so as I said earlier, it's like a string of beads. It's kind of like a rosary and they are rooted in Buddhism and Hinduism. So it's traditionally, it's a tool used. So as we were talking about earlier, your mind starts to wander, you come back and you have this beautiful thing in your fingers. Do you, you have any, do you have any close to. by on hand? Oh, I have so many. I have a whole bowl of them. Let me grab yeah, yeah, them. Show, show us some. That would be great. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I have, okay, I'll just grab two of my favorite ones here. Okay, so. This one is a labradorite stone. I am whole. And this is the stone is for serendipity and synchronicity. So it's my favorite one, mainly because that's how like my whole life changed. This is serendipity yes, yeah. and I will always honor. I love that one. Uh, this is I am patient. This is how light. I also love this one. I do find this one quite funny because whenever we do events in person, if there's, you know, um, two partners, one of them's always like, well, you need more patience. And then they, it starts like this quarrel about like, you need patience. 
<laughs> uh, but I, I mean, I think we all need some patience. I, I, I was um, just about to say that, Ash. I yeah. was like, every single <laughs> one of us it, at all times, and I, I think that I am with other people certainly very patient. I'm a, I, I'm a very patient person. I did age care and disability work for 15 years, like the, in terms of my patients, but the patience yeah. to just trust that everything's unfolding as it needs to in our life, that's, yeah. and, and the patience to just make progress and, and let it unfold. I love it. Yeah. So, so yeah. you make mala beads, these amazing. Mala beads. Yep. They're so beautiful. I mean, I wear them every day. I'm a huge fan. I still use them in my practice. Uh, it's also a really great tool because you go around 108 times and it signifies that you've done a full meditation. So okay. oftentimes when we meditate, you'll probably notice you've been there for 30 seconds and it feels like 20 minutes. Yes. So time can play little tricks on you when you're sitting alone with your thoughts. So it acts as a physical timer as well. You go all the way around, it signifies a practice. So you we go, make so crystals. You go all the way around the beads. So when you say go around, can you, can you show me? Yeah, what yeah. so there's like... um. There's a tassel at the bottom. So once you've gone around, it signifies it. I wonder if I could do this without the camera. Oh, thankfully I got my nails done this week for the first time. In six lovely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you turn it through your fingers. Okay. Yeah. From bead to bead. And so you do an inhale and an exhale. So it's, okay. and then I like to repeat, I am patient or whatever my mantra is. Yeah. I am grounded. And I repeat that on each bead. Yeah. So you've done that 108 times and then you come around the tassel and it signifies a full meditation okay so hang on so 108 times is 108 beads i'm not going around the beads 108 times no you go all the way around one time at the 108 oh but I, I had in my head that i had to go around the whole mala 108 times oh no 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 that's, it's that's 108 a meditation, beads. Yeah. Right? Like that would take yeah. a little while yeah well i can tell you know it usually takes me depending on how long my mantra is so mantra is a word or a sound or a phrase like that example I used I am patient can be a mantra I can tell I'm really anxious when I get around in like six minutes or four minutes I'm like I am patient I am patient I am patient but when you're doing like a breath that's maybe a bit more relaxed mm -hmm. you've settled in maybe it takes like 12 minutes 18 minutes yeah you know 10, 10 to 12 minutes or so depending so it's not a crazy long practice but it's, it's a good amount of time to sit with yourself so the malas that's how we started the business and that's you know as i was saying earlier people emailing saying this has changed my life it's really a physical like a talisman like an object like a symbol of growth yeah. uh, so it is a traditional tool but you know i like to wear mine through the day when i'm done meditating with it and it reminds me Oh yeah, my intention today was patience. And I just looked down my wrist and remind myself of that. So, just, you know, it means a lot of things to many people. Um, and then we have meditation cushions. Mm -hmm. And I really, I'm not sure how you practice, but I mean, my legs always fall asleep when I'm meditating. So there's a floor cushion, they help support your ankles. And then the round cushion uh, to help, you know, tilt your hips forward. It supports your pelvis, your hips and keeps your spine straight. So right. personally, you know, you can use a pillow off your couch if you want or a pillow off of your bed. But I really love, or the cushions being able to have something that's aesthetically beautiful like not yes. like some you know hippie thing like yep. you know I mean I love hippie stuff but you know what I mean having something that aesthetically flows with your home yeah oh yeah I wake up and I see it it reminds me to go and sit and so many people tell me you know I put it out in my living room to remind me to meditate every morning and at first I'd see it and I'd go oh I have to sit and meditate today they'd feel guilty and then they'd get pulled in and then they'd get to the point where oh I can't wait to go to my special space I can't wait to go yeah. to my sacred space so in yeah, my apartment I, I have like, cushions and crystals and it's yeah like a 
Yeah, what I'm hearing there is that with with the mala beads, with the cushion, it's about it's about creating a ritual space. Now, it's it, I could use the word habit, but I think ritual when it comes to you know, it, it it sets the tone. Our physiology creates our psychology. So if we then have this special spot that we go to with a special cushion, with a special beads, it creates this rhythm in our mind that creates a, a, a ritual and our brain loves certainty. It actually does. And, and if, if you then know in a world of chaos, dealing with all the uncertainty and the adventure that's in the world, if you know that you're going to come back to your cushion, to your mala beads, then then there's a there's a sense of internal certainty that creates. So I think it's a great idea. Yeah, and it's one less thing to think about in the mornings when we're trying to build a habit or trying to build a routine. Yeah. Well, should I sit on the edge of my bed or should I sit on my chair or should I go to the dining table? You know what? I'll just do it later because there's too many blocks, too many yeah. barriers. So I think that having that space, okay, that's where I breathe. That's my me time. That's my I'm coming back to myself time. And you're right, ritual becomes this, um, I don't know, you get called to it. I do anyway. And I know a lot of people have shared that they had that experience. So you know, that, that's what it's all about for us is creating space for people to come back to themselves and create these tools that inspire people to do it, uh, to come back to themselves, to create a bit of spaciousness within themselves. And I mean, I'm, uh, I'm biased, but I'm a huge fan. Actually, <laughs> I, I, love, I love designing it. Yeah. Yeah, so 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 cushions, mala beads, crystals. You mentioned as well. You have crystals as well. Yes, yep, crystals, uh, Tibetan bowls, incense. So I spent a lot of time in India working on incense, and it's so beautiful. Sandalwood. It's so spectacular. I, I light it every morning. I'm a huge incense person, and um, yeah, lots of guided meditations. So we give away a lot of free guided meditations, actually. So, like I said earlier, you don't need our product to meditate. I'm a huge fan of providing free content and free guidance. So if, you know, if price is a barrier that you can still, you know, go to the website and find some free meditations. Yep. Um, and then again, I coach, as I mentioned earlier, but that's not really through ball. That's kind of on the side. I just do that because it, it lights me up so much. Yeah. And, and what it sounds like also is probably the next evolution of you and into your business, right? You know, if, if Marla Collective can, can start to not start to, you've been running it for a long time that it, it, it'll, it'll, ha, you know, it have, it has legs of its own. It's kind of like we, when we're birthing babies, do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't have kids myself. Um, but you know, you, you make this business, the business for you is now 10 years old, right? So it can look after itself. It can make its own breakfast. It can, you know, it's, it's more self-sufficient than it was when it was a newborn. And so now maybe it's, it's a kind of matter of having another baby, right? Where you, we, you know, you start the next venture that we go into our life that needs nurturing and love and, and moving. So cushions, uh, all meditation tools, which is beautiful. You can get it all at malacollective.com. So I'm going to put everything in the show notes. And what I would love, I'm very excited because Ashley has been incredibly generous. To to all listeners, you can have your chance to win a mala and a bracelet given by the Mala Collective. So all you need to do is just leave a comment, like, share on your socials, do something we, we were talking about it earlier and we thought, you know what, we don't want to make it too difficult. Let's like just comment, send me a message, do something to share this love, to, to let us know that you've got this, that you've, that you've listened and you've come this far. And if you have, then you go into the chance to win the mala and the bracelet. So just do it somehow and we will figure out the rest. That would be our... Uh, Give us know. a follow. Check us out on Instagram. I'd be grateful if 
exactly. gave us a follow and also send us a message. I mean, we we're a small team. We love hearing from people on intention setting on starting a meditation. Like we're here and we are reading every message we get. So please message us. Yeah, lovely. So I'm going to put all those in the show notes. So the Marla Collective on Instagram is at Marla Collective and, and Ashley personally is at Ashley underscore Ray, which is W-R-A-Y. What's also very exciting, if you want... Two a, underscores, two underscores. Two underscores. Ah, oh, yes, there is two. Two underscores. Ashley, two underscores. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So actually, if you would like a free I Am Enough meditation series, go to MarlaCollective.com. Uh, I am enough. I'm going to put it in there. I'm not going to give you all the details right now verbally. I'm going to put it in the show notes. So if you would like a free I am enough meditation series, please go check out Ashley Ray, the Mala Collective. All beautiful stuff. Incred- incredible work. I'm loving it. Ashley, is there any one thing that you would like to leave the listeners with? Any piece of information, any piece of, of heart that you would like to share? Anything that you feel like a burning desire that needs to be said on today's podcast? Oh, that's a good question. I think just on that theme of enoughness that everybody truly has what they're seeking and that we are all ready enough and that those qualities that we're seeking externally already exist within ourselves. So just a reminder, I am enough, I am enough, I'm enough. If you can take anything, take that phrase. Yeah, beautiful. And and reprogram yourself. I love it. By 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 repetition, yeah. by ritual, by reprogramming, by being committed to the practice of it. And with time, you will see progress. Ashley yeah. Ray, it's been such yeah. a pleasure having time. you on on the More Confidence with Luna Guy podcast. Thank you for joining. Thank you for hanging thank out. You. you in New York yesterday. Oh, thank you for having me. You're from the past. I'm from the future. I love, I love how. <laughs> Today is Tuesday morning, it's Monday night for you. <laughs> it's fabulous. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful I could be here. And that was that was beautiful. You asked wonderful questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to have you here. Thanks, Ash. Thank Bye. you. What an absolute beautiful human Ashley Ray is. Isn't she doing just incredible work being able to spread the message of meditation, of mindfulness, of I am enoughness. And I love how real, true and raw she is. There's there's a real sense of vulnerability and truth in her, which is my kind of people. I love people who are willing to show their hearts. So thank you so much to Ashley Ray and for all of you listening and watching at home on the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. Just in case you didn't figure it out yet, my debut book, Perfectly Imperfect, is actually out now across Amazon stores. You can get it everywhere as well as signed copies from my website. I'll pop all the details into the show notes for you. And like I had mentioned, this book is actually now an Amazon international bestseller. So this book will literally change your life. And I highly recommend that you get on board Perfectly Imperfect, Your Complete Guide to Loving Yourself and Loving Your Body. Out now by yours truly, Lenaria Gaia. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being here on the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. I've been your host, Luna Gaia. And until next time, happy self-loving. Mm-hmm.